Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Bibliostapes and Discussion. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by photographer Julius Smith. Good evening, Julius. Hello, hello. Thank you very much for your time this evening. It's a real pleasure to have you on to talk about some of your, your zines, because I know you're a very big fan of of publishing your work in zine format as a big output. Um, we're obviously yeah. going to talk about Borderline, which is one of your zines I recently picked up. But before we get into talking about that, Julius, it'd be great if you could give an introduction to your photographic journey and background. All right. Well, I, I suppose photography for me started when I was about um, kind of 10 years old. When my father gave me a uh, a Kodak box brownie, I think it was, it took 120 roll film. And, uh, you know, this was about, uh, I don't know, 1961 or so. So, you know, off we went and we were living there. I was living with my family in uh, part of uh, a landscape north of London, about 30 miles north of London called the Chiltern Hills which is just uh, sort of wooded areas and masses of chalklands. So yes. off we went, we photographed trees and, you know, all kinds of landscape features. And we then came back and then in the evening, he taught me how to develop and then, you know, print with the enlarger and, and stuff. Yep. So this, you know, this went on for a few years. And then I got a, um, a Saturday job a bit later on. And uh, from the money I saved from my Saturday job, I bought my first uh, 35mm camera, which was just an, an amazing achievement then. It was a, a Zenit B with a 50mm, I think it was 3.5 in the star lens. And it was a Russian camera, those Zenits, and they were built like like all those sort of Russian cameras, like tanks, you know, they were solid. <laughs> <laughs> solid things but I had a, a really fantastic time with it I just loved it and uh, well I you know, I wasn't to be seen really at weekends I was just out on in in the hills and what have you photographing away um, using uh, color and, and black and white film stock and then I learned how to uh, develop a 35 mil uh, roll film which of course is a step up from 120 roll film yep and then this went on and then well working life came along and i found myself in uh, photographic retailing right so it was um, a kind of a long long journey with uh, lots of different jobs in all kinds of different uh, photographic uh, of stores i started off with a chain store called dolan's photographic they were sort of uh where was it now aylesbury i think it was yeah. um, started off there and then i um, moved over to um, different branches and um well then i got involved with uh different companies uh a retailer where i sold um minolta cameras uh, and this, yeah, well, you know, it went on for years, and eventually I found myself in London working for different uh, retailers there, one in Tottenham Court Road, another branch of Dolan's. And then I think it was about in 1975 where I had a, a, I kind of stopped uh, working in photographic retailing. I had a complete 
uh, evaluation you know, of my life, where I was going in terms of you know, the job front. And I found myself working in a, in a library in, in London, dealing with photographs, you know, archiving, cataloging. Um, arche- this was archaeology, so archaeological photographs. Cool. Uh, handling glass plate negatives. These were just amazing, you know, 10-8 and 5-4 glass plate negatives were just complete eye-opener to me. Uh, there was a whole set of uh, glass plate negatives um, made of the Maiden Castle uh, excavation, which is down in Dorset. Um, this was uh, a dig um, undertaken by uh, an archaeologist called Sir Mortimer Wheeler. I think it was done in the mm, late 40s, maybe 50s. But there, there were these huge crates, you know, of <laughs> glass plate negatives. And it, it was my job to sort of sort and get them all printed up and that sort of stuff. Uh, so it was just at a wonderful time. And then I moved to different other libraries, um, usually with some photography or even microfilming. Microfilming was still, you know, big time in yeah. the uh, late 70s, 80s. I worked for a publishing company based in um, in Surrey. And my job was a sort of peripatetic uh, photographer. And they sent me out to all kinds of libraries, um, like Shakespeare Library in Stratford-upon-Avon, where I photographed tons and tons of photographs onto microfiche, yep. uh, which is a, you know, a development of roll film. Uh, so, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get away. Interestingly, I couldn't get away from cameras. Which, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't get away from cameras. So I knew there was something there, you know, after all. And I suppose, well, I ended up in, in, uh, in the Bodleian Library in Oxford. It's very strange that because I was uh, digitizing. Yes, I was digitizing. It was my big foray into the digital world. Yep. Yeah, digital world, big time. But I was, I still, I was still doing microfilming with them, and I was still. They had their own big darkroom because I was in the sort of technical side of things there, and I was processing film and I was printing stuff, as well as digitizing. Uh, material in the library for um, then dissemination onto the internet or uh, for people, you know, researchers who wanted a digital copy of something or other. Um, a, 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 amazing ca- equipment. We had a Linhof 5x4 scanning bag, which was, you know, scanning at something like 600 uh, pixels per inch, which was yeah. very, very high resolution stuff. So, um, yeah. Um, then um, redundancy came along, and <laughs> so I took it um, because you know all kinds of things were changing, and the management was changing, and uh, I just felt that uh, when was it about? Uh, I suppose fifteen years ago now. Yeah, time for a change. I, it was time for a big change, and uh, not only. Um, uh, geographically, because I've ended up now in um, uh, on the, on the southeast coast near, yep. in Eastbourne, and it's uh, it's really interesting from that point of view because 
I, I was born in in Chalkland. Um, 70, what, 72 years ago. And I've ended up on Chalkland. Yes. So, you know, so I can't get away from chalk and I can't get away from photography, which kind of, you know, they go sort of hand in hand. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And so, well, I was just going to say that um, photography um, has also brought in uh, my another passion which is poetry but maybe i'll talk about that when i come to talk about the borderline scene which is you know again um sort of two things which are complementary in in my kind of vision um how you know how they work for each other yeah yeah absolutely just i was obviously just talking about yeah the zine i've picked up and i know you're a big fan of publishing you've got quite a number of yes for your for your bodies of work but certainly borderline was one one I picked up recently, which is kind of like the journey from Beachy Head along mm. the coast. But as you say, it's it's you you make a you, you combine you combine your poetry um together yeah. with the photography. So so kind of I suppose so what what's the what's your interest, I suppose, in, in zine publishing or that as an output for your work? Well, a good that's a good question because um I suppose about ten years ago. I had a an exhibition of some of my photographs in a in a gallery in in Hastings, yep. and it uh, it was a huge amount of work, as you can imagine, you know, yeah. uh, mounting and everything else, to, dealing with um, hanging uh, your own photo- photography and and uh, you know renting space and and all that kind of stuff, and. I didn't, uh, the results of the exhibition for my work were very, very unsuccessful because, well, maybe it was the wrong kind of gallery or the wrong kind of audience, but you've got got to be a really, you know, top-notch photographer to sell photographic um, prints, you know, photographic work. You really have. And I felt that I needed another kind of platform in order to get my work out. Yep, yep. And that's when I discovered the world of zines and zines. You know, this was about uh, seven or eight years ago. Cool. Uh, And because, you know, I also, I'm a great believer in self-publishing and, you know, I like the book i mean i've spent so much of my life working in libraries and dealing with archives and printed yeah. material yeah. that um you know people have said to me well why don't you publish your zine as a pdf or put it on the web and i say no 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 that's you know for me that's not the way to go it has to be hard copy because you know you don't need a battery you don't need an electric light source yeah. for your zine you can pick it up and it's tactile. You've got it in your hands, and it's you know it's slow. Yeah. It's a slow process of um, uh, digesting the stuff. So that's when I really kicked off uh, putting my you know, early photography together. together in 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 zine format. And I had you know I taught myself using various bits of software. Um, computer software, you know, to put the zine together. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and uh, at the same time, I felt, well, how do I get the stuff out into the world? So I looked around various selling platforms. And well, the one I have um, still use is, is Etsy, yeah. which um, has a, a well, I, I think it has a, um, a, a, a quite a good sympathetic place for zine format because yeah. it's where a lot of people Probably. um publish stuff you know particularly sort of you know the handmade or the artisan whatever you call it kind of work and uh well i well i've been on it since 2016 and it's brought in uh customers from really all over the world yeah, no, I, I really like I really like Etsy. I use it quite regularly for buying zines because you you find very something that's a much smaller run can often appear there as well. Um, yeah, and I think I yeah. think it's a wonderful output for for small projects. As you say, it's a very cost effective solution, cost effective way for sharing your work. But but the borderline is a beautiful beautiful publication. I really like the photography, um, but also the poetry as well. So where does where does the combination <laughs> come from um, in terms of bringing words i speak to a lot of people who maybe write mm -hmm. essays write intros write write outwards afterwards etc but you you've kind of interlined the the, the work with uh, with a variety of borderline poems yeah well i've this is where this is where words and pictures for me come in um and i have always i've always been interested in the relationships of words and images and how they um interact or they don't yep. or, or they're juxtaposed um and you know and they can produce different um meanings they can produce different outcomes uh you know there could be a poem on one side of the page and the image on the other side and they might not necessarily um complement each other in yeah. uh, literally but uh they could produce different uh well uh, re perhaps reasonings or different outcomes in in the viewers uh viewers mind readers yeah. mind yeah, I tend to agree. I, th I think it. I think it's lovely. I think the 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 writing you've got in it, it beautifully accompanies it, and it, it, I think it allows every anyone who's looking at it to kind of, as you say, form their own perspective, their own viewpoint, and and how they view yeah. the the combination between the images and and between the work as well. Um, and and how how did you how did you kind of approach? The, the the projects i know it was it was photographed over several visits last year did you did you know right. a, a set plan of how you wanted to document it or or was it very mm. much free form as, as you made your journeys um well quite a few trips to start off with as you say um and i i knew that i wanted to photograph particular aspects of yep. uh stopping points if you like yeah. um where you know the thought processes as as i walk along from um point a all the way to point b they were they were like sort of um like sort of signal stations you know what i mean yes they yep. um uh these stopping points allowed me to um kind of uh, digest what was um 
in front of me, what was around me um, in terms of both uh, visual prompts as well as uh, text word prompts. Yeah. So it was um, it was a lot of walking very slowly, a lot of stopping, a lot of waiting, a lot of patience, um, a lot of sitting down, um, a lot of writing. No, I had a notebook and pen, so phrases came into my mind. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't. The the the, the poems in the uh, zine that they weren't written back at home. They were all written on location, um, on location as you know, as free flowing phrases, yep. which. Uh, much later on, I you know I put I left them, then I copied them out, then I printed them out, then I reordered them. So there was a lot of uh, sifting. You know, there's a lot of sort of digesting going on. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it was the same with the same with the photographs because I took lots and lots and lots of photographs different you know, angles different viewpoints yep um different you know different days i went different light um different exposures different contrasts so i i i ended up with a, a very large um volume of both text and images which again uh, i just sort of left on the uh, on the computer for a couple of weeks because that's yep. the way that's the way i like to work is very very slowly yeah let the work simmer you know let it let it sort of digest in the corner and then i went back to it and then i, I looked at all the images in front of me and think yeah well maybe that could follow this and this and this and that can go here and that can go there and then maybe that particular a set of um, poems or one poem could fit in yeah exactly exactly um so it was um it was like sort of making ginger beer <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> yeah. It. I, I suppose it's, a, it's an interesting because most of us we when we look at doing publishing any work it's sequencing purely just images and yes there might be some text um but a lot of times maybe just one-off phrases or it's maybe a bit of text to start off a brand new sequence. Whereas, yeah, you're 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 combining quite yeah. quite specific po poems and and pieces of writing that yeah. need to fit in with with the images and images before the images after. So there's so there there's the additional thought process there. But yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting as you say. It's like you still have the challenge of having all, all the bodies of writing that you've done, as well as the combination of all the of all the, the images that you're trying to sequence into to, to the right order as well. So there's a natural flow for both. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of my work, which I maybe forgot to um, uh, mention earlier, a lot of my work is driven by my uh, an additional interest in the uh, uh, the field of uh, psychogeography. Mm -hmm. um, psychogeography is is really a, a well, it's a bit old hat in many respects, but it's a it's it's a, an activity which I suppose came about in the nineteen nineteen uh, fifties in in uh, 
Paris in France. Um, and a, a Frenchman by the name of Guy Debord um, was um, walking around all the time in, in the sort of parts of Paris and uh, with a um, group of people. Uh, this particular group was part of uh, the Situationists then, and it was a sort of radical sort of political uh, party which tried to sort of undermine um, ideas of um, the urban and how the urban uh, affects uh, the people living in in those sort of places. Yeah, and um, he, he one one day uh, he was going around Paris and kind of in a sort of a drunken state where they. <laughs> He had taken drugs as well. I don't know, but anyway, they were kind of um, stoned out of their mind, and uh, <laughs> and he came up with this term called psychogeography, um, which for him was uh, how the individual relates to the place they are in, uh, how they are affected emotionally mm. and the response um yeah. on on the individual and it was uh and you know this was a really uh, this whole field kind of really developed in the sort of 60s and 70s and it was all based in um predominantly urban areas so you know you have you know lots and lots of different groups springing up all over the place just roaming around, uh, not following the um, urban planners um, route where they expect everybody to go down the shopping mall or, you know, everything else where it's where there is a commercial yeah. overtone. Um, this this was all about um, challenging ideas of uh, the the idea of spectator and and the commercial um, overtone, if you like. Yeah. But uh, I guess what what I'm all what I was trying to do in a lot of my zines, because I'm based about ten minutes walk from the eastern end of the South Downs National Park that I was trying to um, use psychogeography, but not in an urban yeah, uh, respect, but but in a much more rural. Yeah, interesting. Um, which, you know, I was trying, I was truly trying to challenge this idea of, uh, of you know, an urban-based uh, psychogeography. So um, the, the borderline scene is perhaps an example of how I have responded to yep. uh, that urban uh, to that rural environment yeah. which i found myself um on various walks yeah as it says in the zine you know from peachy head to um to an estuary yeah um which takes in all kinds of landscape forms and 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 um eco historical economic areas yeah absolutely the sheer variety of different different backgrounds different different environments yeah. 
Um, and yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I, I I see uh, from having a look, I've had a look at some of your other zines as well. There's there's they seem mm-hmm. very very focused on projects. I don't know if that's if that's how you particularly like to work, and also some really interesting quite journeys as well, similar to similar to borderline as well, kind of journeys through different areas. So it's it's really interesting to see how you kind of like take take your interests and take what what appeals to you from the non-photographic side of of life i suppose and and kind of bring it together with the photography with your writings but also with the interest that actually creates something hard and published yes yeah i mean poetry is all about being confronted like any type of writing is being confronted with the white page the empty you know the empty terrifying (laughs) terrifying white page you know you have got uh uh, the writer the poet has is is confronted with this space this empty space into which into which a mark should be made could be made but on the other hand the photographer is already provided with the luxury of stuff out there. Um, Photographer looks through the viewfinder and uh, the job is to edit, to um, really decide what fits, what should go. Yeah, so it's, it's really, it's not putting in but it's rather taking away um, from, you know, you've this, all these decisions have to be made whilst yeah. looking, th- looking through the camera viewfinder. Yeah, absolutely. And how how do you find? Uh, obviously, we've talked briefly about your mm. the big collection of images and sequence. And how how challenging do you find it? How how do you approach it? I was having a kind of like a discussion on Twitter earlier this week or over the weekend, where people someone mm. had shared how they kind of use a magnetic board or something like that to sequence their images, and I kind of reshared it. And then other people were sharing their different ways. How how do you kind of approach it? Do you print images out? Do you do it all in screen, or or what works? Bearing in mind that you're kind of you're you're doing words as well. Um, I'll just get rid of this. Uh, um, I thought about printing them out because I you know I've read about people printing their. Yep. images out and then you know putting them out on blackboards or on their wall or on the floor and you know and just letting the stuff simmer and not moving them around yep uh but i thought no it's it's an it's an uh, an extra expense <laughs> which i didn't really want to get into um so yeah well i have to say that i you know they're on my screen yeah. They're on my screen, and uh, I just move them around, and I change them around, and I made uh, a dummy. I made dummies cool. of the you know the, the yeah. zine, and I just let that um, uh, sort of stay in the corner, and then I went back to it. Yep. And then I thought, no, that doesn't that doesn't look right. You know, that's going to be there. That's, yeah, masses of tweaks, masses of tweaks, and then where you know how does uh, how does that fit with the poem? And 
uh, does it work? Does it relate? Should it relate? Um, yeah. You know, all the you you find um, in the editing, the editing process is, um, I suppose, like you know, perhaps like a filmmaker, is where the work actually begins. Yeah, you know, you can you can capture as many images as you want, but it's knowing which ones are working why might they work why might they not work um should they should they link together should they not you know all these questions come up and i i, I find that um in some ways um much more exciting yeah absolutely yeah and it, it's the challenging part as well to get to get bodies of work to all work together as you say what what looks good in the back of the camera is quite often not the reality once you've loaded it up and you're faced yeah. with what you thought was a good shot or doesn't doesn't work well, doesn't complement each other. It's, at the end of the day, books aren't just about one image, it's about the whole body of work. Um, and that and yes. that's also part of the appeal <laughs> is that you don't need to have 100 wow images because you need actually to be able to change the pace of it and, and link images images together, which is, which is kind of part of the appeal and part of the interest for me. Um, yes, and 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 how do you find the printing of it? Obviously, you've now done multiple zines, so are you now? You must be now fairly comfortable with the process of 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 selecting the publisher or whoever it is you print with, um, and and you know what you're going to get. Well, I've I've tried various online printers right. because yeah. you know that's the way you you, know, yeah. you find out. That's the way you learn. Um, and I've tried various sizes of zines, you know, yep. down to a a six, a five. Yep. In fact, uh, borderline um, is two ten. Two ten, yeah, square by two ten. It's square, yep. and this this was in fact uh, my first um, foray into larger square formats format because um, I just felt that I wanted the images to be given a much larger um, space so they yes. can actually work, yep. you know, in, in the viewer's mind. Uh, I mean, A5 is is okay, but it's quite sort of limiting because yes. it's very it's very squashed. Yes. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah, you just get a bit, bit yeah. more breathing space in a bigger format square. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, breathing, you, you, know, you talk about breathing, and I think that's incredibly important because... Um, I'm also learning that less is more. Yep. Um, and it's, um, I mean, you know, in the early days, I put out uh, photo zines where I had an image on every page, yeah. sometimes two images on the page. And I thought, no, this is, is you know, the viewer loses the impact. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's lost on them. You know, it's a, it's a total mishmash of stuff, which... Yep doesn't register so um yeah um but it's all learning is... process until until you do, yeah until you do one and and put your two images on each page and then you maybe pick up someone else's zine and you think oh, yes that's only got one image on each page that looks yeah. so much better yeah. or oh yeah. there's a blank page there i actually quite like that there's maybe five images in a blank page and it's only when you do these things that you begin to take these things in subconsciously so when you're doing your next one you you're then enhancing and learning each time so 
Yeah, that's so right. It's all definitely part, all definitely part of the process. Um, but it's very rewarding, and, and you learn, and you can develop it is. each time yes. that, you, that you do one. And for me, for me, like you, I think, I think zines are a brilliant output for people to share work, and it allows. I work, I love them. Yeah, and it allows work to be shared that otherwise would probably never be seen in in printed format because yeah. you can pick up something that's. 10 images or something like that 10 10 12 images and it you're not going to be able to see it in a big big format but actually in that format it's a very cost effective solution and way yes. for getting work out which i think is fantastic yeah i mean cost effective is one of the reasons you know yeah. i've i so love zines yep absolutely. Uh, because you know you can have a small print run uh, it doesn't matter how many yep. um you can, you know, you can specify if you're new using an online printer. You can actually specify the type of paper. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Borderline was printed on on silk, yeah. uh, on on the silk paper. But I've produced scenes on um, uncoated yeah. paper, which is it's just lovely. Very nice. Yeah, it's a lovely, lovely touch. You know, yeah. The whole tactile aspect of zines is another you know it's another incredibly important thing but of course you know when you're using uncoated paper then it type it tends to diminish the uh what should we say the sharpness of a photographic image simply because it's uncoated it hasn't got that extra um uh stability in in the paper but you know it can then produce different results which are equally um, magical yeah um and so and you know you can play absolutely you can you can play around mm-hmm. the, the printers now offer so many paper types and even just weights that just gives it a different yeah. feel you might go for something that's fewer images but a thicker paper so you you still get yeah. the, the bulkiness and thickness of it so yeah i, th- I think yeah. it's i think it's a great a great time to be looking at self-publishing work even small bodies yes. of work and it's great to see so many projects come come to life in 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 the printed form um, yes. and I'm, I'm going to guess that you you've maybe got one or two zines yourself um, i always like to always like to ask my guests for four or five of their favorite photo books and i include zines in in the category photo books that uh, from other photographers in your bookshelf so i'll hand over to right. you for 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 some of your selections julius okay well i've chosen uh four uh, different right. photo books um, which have been me been with me for you know quite a few years um the first one um as it happens is a photo book of of both photographs black and white photographs and poems right. and uh it's it's a first edition in fact it's called the uh can you i don't know if you can, yeah, see, I can it. see it yeah 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 it's called the remains of elmet it was later uh, pub- republished as just Elmet, but it's poems by Ted Hughes and photographs by Faye Godwin, who's one of my favorite, favorite uh, black and white landscape yes. photographers, you know, and and in, in this uh, amazing uh, collection, you've got very, very good high, high contrast. Lovely, very nice. Yeah, high contrast, black and white photographs of um really part of the um west yorkshire uh area um, um i mean elmet 
was, um, I understand, the sort of fourth to seventh century Celtic region, which uh, is now part of um, West Yorkshire. It's that sort of colder, uh, colder valley, Um, Hebden Stall and Hebden Bridge, you know, all that sort of area. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, I I just love this, you know, and it's printed on sort of matte paper and it's printed very, very dark high contrast and it's just beautiful landscapes and and ted hughes's poems you know work well together so that one is really that's really the my starting off one good and then we're going off to faye godwin now herself um the edge of the land it's called yeah and this is a body of work which she put together over many years black and white photographs of uh, well all around the country lands you know beautiful beautiful land landscape images black and white high contrast um all printed for her by a, a photographer friend of hers um photographs of where she kind of she had a house down in in hastings at one time so lots and lots of stuff around the east sussex um coast and then up in shetland and orkney yep. and just you know, a magical, beautiful, Lovely. magical, magical book. Lovely, yeah, yeah. good size. You know, lots of good space for the image to uh, cool. sink into the into the viewer. And well, we t- that remains two color ones. I've got this one is one of my big favorites. William Eggleston's Guide. It's his first um, collection of uh, photographs, which were put together as a result of his first major show in uh, New York at the Museum of Modern Art and um, he had been photographing quite a few years and he had put together all these images and and he his work was discovered by a curator at MoMA in New York called John uh, Tchaikovsky who um, you know just fell in love with William Eggleston's work. I've I've so many photographers, I guess, do. Absolutely. Um, It's just, you know, and and the extraordinary thing is, is that there's this kind of apocryphal uh, story about him when he was starting out um, photographing around uh, Memphis, where he still photographs. And he said, well, I can't find anything to photograph. It's all so ugly. So <laughs> and he was said he was told to well photograph the ugly bits. Yeah. Know, photograph the and this is what he's done in his life. Yeah. Um, you know, he specializes in the banal, which I just I love. Um, you know, there's no um what you might call I don't know, high art. It's just wonderful, spontaneous sure. images. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're just, and they work first time off. They work, you know, lots of them in there sort of, um, there's, you know, there's Kodachrome transparencies. Because he's, I think he still shoots uh, film, you know. He yeah. he doesn't, uh, he doesn't touch digital. <laughs> yeah. some, some people um, stick with it. Some people stick yes. with it. Yeah, they do, they do. Um, so William Eggleston's guide is just fabulous. I love it. And 
Well, this one is called, in fact, a walk, a walk across England. Ooh. Now, it's in a sense, it's I guess it's not really what you might call a photo book as such. Who's it by? But it, well, it's by somebody called Richard Long. Richard Long. Right. Mm. Richard Long. Can you see that? Yeah, I can see and, it. Um, Richard Long, of course, is really known for his, um, well, should we say his walking, his walking art. Okay, yeah. Uh, there's this great definitive photo, black and white photograph, which uh, was made in, what's it, 1971. Yep. He, he was a student at, um, I think, St. Martin's, St. Martin's College in London, a sculpture student, a bit sort of rebellious guy. And he decided that uh, he wanted to depart from some way from his sculpture studies. Yeah. So one sunny morning, he got on a train at Waterloo and went down into the sort of Surrey countryside and he got off and it was a really sunny morning and the dew was on the grass in the fields and he got out and he started walking in this field up and down, up and down, up and down, making a line in the dew in this field and then he got his he had a camera with him and he took a black and white photograph of this line in the dew and he had it printed and he called it a line made by walking and this was 1971 right if i'm not mistaken and it has become an iconic artwork and it's now displayed in you know huge Library, uh, museums and galleries yep. cool. so uh it's 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 just a mass of wonderful kind of spontaneous Images, uh, yeah, color yeah. Photo it's color photographs which you know it's he, he takes um cool yeah from from his walking uh from his, through his walking journeys and sometimes on a on a white page up on the other side, he, you know, he has a line saying another chalk horse, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um, which appeals to me because it's kind of is text on one side and it's, there's a color image on the other side and it's, you know, it's, uh, it reveals yeah. something or it, or it doesn't reveal anything, but it's, you know, it's a great body of work. Um, coming from really from a walker's perspective right so you know that that really appeals to me really appeals to me excellent four so, four four great selections you'll not be surprised that Faye Rodwin has made several appearances in the last hundred or so episodes as is William Edwardson to be perfectly honest but it's yeah. always really interesting just to see what makes other people tick and what what books and what images and bodies of work that 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 they guess that my guests like, and um, it always opens up new doors for people to explore new names themselves. Yeah. So thank you, thank you for sharing, uh, thank you for sharing your selection, Julius. And it just leads me to say thank you very much for your time this evening to to chat about your work and and your passion and love for zines as well, and um, which is it's really been very very enjoyable. So yeah, thank you very much. Well, thank you, you, and I've really enjoyed it. Thank glad, you. Glad you enjoy it. Thanks very much.